Welcome to the Magnificast, a podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. My name is Dean Detloff. I'm a PhD student at the Institute for Christian Studies in Toronto, where I work on media theory, and I work at a coffee shop, and I write as a journalist, and I wait for Matt to come visit me next month. <laughs> I'm, com- I'm coming. It's happening. Um... Hey, I'm Matt. Uh, I teach at Greenville University. I teach uh, media studies, cultural theory, media archaeology, and uh, next month I'm getting on a plane. I'm going. I'm going to be in Canada. It's going to be the best. It is going to be the best. Um, um, pumped. This is like, yeah, I know, me too. Uh, you guys, I think Emily posted this picture on Instagram a few days ago. I don't know. It was like more like a week ago, probably. But you guys were... Uh, ice skating in front of that big toronto sign that's right and uh lewis saw it and he was like he he like recognized it from the book that you got him, so. <laughs> nice that's awesome yeah. i appreciate that uh the the memories are already getting uh preloaded <laughs> that's right yeah, yeah well he's like studied that book so he just knows <laughs> what's that place called in toronto uh nathan phillips square oh uh, yeah it's the best square the best square in all of toronto that's I've right heard. it's his square he was number one nathan phillips <laughs> uh cool so uh we're gonna talk to a couple folks from the catholic worker more on that later but to begin with we've got a couple of itunes reviews to get through we got two it's been a little bit since we had some itunes reviews but uh here we go we got them and they're good they're great (laughs) uh all right so the first review is uh five out of five stars it is titled that good good communism by uh a user. I don't feel like I should read people's usernames. I always con- feel conflicted about this. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, they say, This podcast has become a pillar for my education, both as a Marxist and as a Christian. These dudes are dope. This podcast is dope. Five to five stars. Nice. Nice. That's, Those good. Are some, that's a kind thing to say. That is a kind thing to say. <laughs> that's cool. I don't know. It's... So weird that this affects people. I mean, this is like the this is the one comment we've had uh, basically about every single thing uh, since the very beginning. But it's so weird this podcast like affects people in any way. Yeah, um, I agree. I was telling my students earlier today um, that like it's such a weird thing that like I don't know. I can write an academic article and you know like ten people read it, and my mom will be like at least one of those people, <laughs> and like that's fine. But I can make a podcast and like make jokes about communism and um, you know like a bazillion people listen to it and it's weird does your mom also so, listen to it i don't think so i've never i've uh my mom knows i make a podcast but i think that's about the extent of it <laughs> uh same same here um i don't i wouldn't suggest that she listen to it <laughs> yeah i feel the same way um that's awesome though i feel very weird that uh that folks are affected by it too the weirdest thing to me has been people saying that we've uh reignited their christian faith uh that is very strange to me but i do appreciate it um i don't take myself to be much of an evangelist but it's a cool byproduct i guess yeah for sure um getting people in those pearly gates giving them a boost (laughs) you gotta look over living their best life now giving their utmost for his highest i don't know <laughs> it's just uh, merely uh, christianity that's all oh my god there you go now we got we got there we got to the good punchline of that joke i tried a few <laughs> out and you were the one that finished it off yeah well just collaborate team over here yeah that's right collaborate team like two horses pulling a heavy weight together um <laughs> that's a my brother my brother and me reference for all of you folks out there who don't get it okay uh <laughs> there's the second a second review that's also nice um and it's even it's long even someone took a long time to write a paragraph that's nice uh okay so this one is called two thumbs up from person on the internet um so this person writes i came across this podcast somehow after following Liz brunig who would be a great guest yeah probably and have been loving it so far Coming from an Anabaptist background with a deep admiration for liberation theology and Dorothy Day. Sorry, guys. Well, that's funny. You're in, you're in luck in this <laughs> episode. your episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been learning a lot about how the Christian left and Christian leftists have engaged politics outside my own bubble of abiblical affluent American liberalism. Uh, I especially appreciate the host's repeated emphasis on the value of going to church and being real with people in our communities, as well as joining political parties and movements, rather than just being people on the internet. That's right. Don't don't just be a person <laughs> on the internet. Be a person all the time. Uh, yeah, it's hard for me too. Yep. 
hard for all of us to be a person. Uh, while the host brand includes poor transitions from topic to topic, yep, that is exactly right. I'll push back. Oh, I'll push back a bit and say their audio transitions are actually pretty good. You know huh. the do 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 bit. Keep nice. it up, guys. Yeah, that's pretty that's, good. I know that's super man. All right. I mean that that sound is good. We don't use that sound anymore now that we have the better sounds. But um, glad someone appreciates that. I made it. <laughs> um, I made it in GarageBand in exactly. 30 seconds nice that's a good amount of uh seconds to payoff ratio in terms of work yeah and, and work and reward yeah um work smart not hard that's what i always say that's my motto it's a good motto uh that's really great though um yeah that is also a, a great transition into what we're doing this episode speaking of the catholic worker and liberation theology <laughs> Uh, so let's do it. Here we are, just um, seizing the means of transitioning. Uh, this week on the Magnificast, we're talking with Brenna Cusson and Joe Cruz, who are both part of the Catholic Worker, a couple different communities. Uh, we decided to do the episode after Joe reached out to us by email to say that we'd oversimplified the Catholic Worker here and there on the podcast, and we said, yeah, that's probably right, um, but we we can't fix that ourselves so we brought brenna and joe on the show to correct the record for us and to kind of just give us their take and let us know what's going on so before we recorded that episode brenna and joe sent us some homework so that we could all be on the same page and we'll refer to that throughout the show so maybe we should kind of just introduce a few of those things so one was the aims and means of the catholic worker which is on the catholic worker website you can find it there uh for those playing the Magnificast board game at home, uh, this is this is how you play. Um, another was a book called New Heaven and New Earth by Richard Cleaver, who revised some older essays on the Catholic worker positions in the 1990s. And then we read an essay by Fred Bohr on anarchism and the Catholic worker. And lastly, we read a reflection by Jessica Reznicek, who is one of the Catholic worker activists who sabotaged the Dakota Access Pipeline last summer. So we'll post all that stuff on our social media if you want to go back and read them, but that's what we're drawn from. So when we refer to a few of those things in the conversation, that's what we're talking about. One more preliminary note here before we get started, um, just for all you Magnificheads out there, uh, keeping up with the uh, the sort of like trivia, um, <laughs> the episode that prompted Joe to reach out was part of our uh, two-part, uh, two-part arc I suppose, of Christians for Socialism episodes. It was an arc of exactly two episodes. <laughs> it started um, and then it went up and then it came right back down. Just how all good stories do. Um, <laughs> in that episode, uh, though, we talked a lot about the uh, taxonomy of Christian political positions in America that Kathleen Schultz developed. Um, Kathleen Schultz, if you'll recall, was the former national secretary of CFS um, and our close personal friend. Um, I don't know. Close. We've talked her on the phone. She's really our, great. Our favorite nun. Magnificat's favorite nun. Yeah, that's right. Um, she, uh, well, in the taxonomy, she distinguishes between um, a few different types of like Christian camps on the left. Um, the, the Christian camps are like the left of the liberals, at least. So they're like the socially committed and the politically committed. Um, we put the Catholic worker in the socially committed category, which uh, Kathleen Schultz describes as having a thorough critique of capitalism and a, quote, strong lifestyle emphasis in their social commitment that can easily translate into new piety and a practical anarchism that often pervades their critique and practice. Um, so this is a this is distinct from the politically committed Christians who Schultz describes as informed by Marxist analysis and involved in popular movements, which is the category that guys excited. So we can uh, we'll talk about a little bit more about how that all kind of shakes out with um, with Brenda and Joe. Um, so uh, you guys can think about whether or not this uh, taxonomy works or if it's right. I'm not exactly sure, but it was sure cool talking to them. So this week we're here with Joe Cruz and Brenna Cusson, uh, two folks who are part of some Catholic worker communities, and we're excited to talk about that. But first, uh, we can ease into it a little bit by just asking you, Joe and Brenna, what have you been up to this week? Uh, what's going on? Uh, wh what's really exciting? Wow, sure. That's a great question, because <laughs> kind of a lot. Um, well, the thing that Joe and I are both involved in um, over the last several months uh, we from the Midwest Catholic Worker Movement have been 
um, in dialogue with the East Coast Catholic Worker Movement, um, particularly the New York City Catholic Worker House, which is sort of like the mother house in a way, um, about the issue of racism in our movement. And uh, we had written a movement-wide letter that got sent out to every community in the, uh, in the country. And tomorrow morning, Joe and I are heading in with a, a carpool of lots of other folks from the Midwest out to New York City to have a discussion on what um, what we in the Catholic Worker should be thinking about in terms of racism within our own movement and how to combat racism and white supremacy in the nation. Um, so I've been, we, I've been doing a lot of prep work for that. And Joe, do you want to add anything? Yeah. Yep. I've been, I've been, uh, working on that, uh, project and really excited about it, uh, this week. Um, yeah. Also I'm trying to think of what else is going on in my life. Uh, I work at, I work at a, uh, outside of the Catholic worker, I work at like a, a food co-op grocery store. I'm in the meat department and there's a lot of, there's like, uh, uh, the employees unionized, um, like uh, six months ago, I think, and we had our, we like ratified our contract recently. So now we're doing like a steward, a steward election that I've been kind of involved in. So I've been doing that, and uh, yeah, uh, having a lot of meetings. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, you guys sound busy. Yeah. Yeah, a little busy now. Yeah. <laughs> All good. All good stuff. <laughs> good things though. <laughs> that's that's awesome that's really great to hear uh it's cool i really like what you're saying brenna about uh addressing some of that um white supremacy that's still within the movement that's awesome that the catholic worker is trying to think really hard about that um we can maybe get into that a little bit more as we go uh but first i'm gonna ask matt uh how's how's the semester panning out for you oh yeah um it's good teaching classes kicking butt taking names uh <laughs> Writing some stuff. I don't know. Nothing really to report. Just that that, that kind of thing. Regular That's teacher cool. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Dean, what have you been doing? Um, Not a ton, except that uh, the Christians for Socialism Toronto chapter is going to have a meeting um, a week from last Monday. So coming up very quickly. And uh, I've been like scrambling to send final emails and get some agenda stuff together and bring some materials. So it's all very, very exciting. It's a ton of work, but um, I'm really pumped to get into that. So that's occupying most of my time. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we'll have to talk about that later some more. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, so we've got a, a, some of the pleasantries out of the way. Let's uh, dive in here a little bit. A lot of our listeners probably are generally aware of the Catholic Worker Um but for those who aren't or don't know that much about it or haven't even heard of it, how would you, Brenna and Joe, uh, describe the worker and, and what it is? <laughs> We're looking at each other like, you go, no, you go. Um, <laughs> so I'll start. <laughs> the Catholic Worker um, is a movement of communities that this May, I just realized as I was looking at your questions last night, this May is going to be 85 years old. Um that's kind of exciting. So it's a movement of communities that was started by uh, co our co-founders, Dorothy Day and Peter Morin, um, based on Peter's Peter Morin's vision for a revolution, which was a three-point revolution, a three-part program, he called it, a movement of um, houses of hospitality in the city. So um, houses uh, performing the works of mercy for uh, in whatever way the community needs it so um depending on what the needs are whether it's uh, most most houses will provide shelter uh and hospitality for those for folks needing a place to stay um, but it can also take on different forms as well another part of the program is um farming communes on the land so that's where we're calling from right now is my farming commune on the, the, the farming commune on the land that i live at saint isidore catholic worker farm where we try to be uh self-sustaining raising much of what we eat, but also um, being involved in uh, social issues of our day. And then the third part of the program is uh, roundtable discussions uh, for the clarification of thought. So Peter Morin believed um, that we needed a revolution in our society, and, we, and he also believed you can't have a revolution without a theory of revolution. And so we try to um, 
up, update ourselves constantly on like what is the current political, philosophical, and theological thought of the day. Um, there's about 200 communities around the country. They're mostly in the U.S., though there are some um, smattered throughout the world. Uh, yeah, Joe, what do you, anything to add? Um, no, I think that was a really good um, description. Uh, one like interesting kind of nuance to add is um, like, yeah, I mean, you know, Dor Dorothy Day and Peter Morin were really kind of grounded in like Catholic social teaching mm -hmm. and like, you know, to a, a pretty large extent, Catholic orthodoxy. And I think the movements like lineage and history uh, is definitely is definitely there. Uh, but like, interestingly, you know, probably in the past, I don't know, like the 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 like most recent generation of Catholic workers, the um, the kind of identification with Catholicism or even like organized Christianity is like changing. Um, and it's just, I think, I mean, it's probably always been really complicated, but it feels now to be, uh, uh, yeah, really complicated. You know, a lot of people who are Catholic workers aren't. Um, aren't Christian or Catholic, but are kind of still drawn to the, um, to the, to the movement, the ideas. So, uh, so yeah, that's just like another interesting aspect of, uh, the movement's relationship to, uh, Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And one uh, other part of the uh, movement I... <laughs> that we didn't mention, um, though it wasn't necessarily part of Peter's three point program. That, but it's been traditionally, for sure, at least since the 60s, and I mean, before that as well, but it really took root in the 60s, is like a real um, critique of U.S. foreign policy and militarism. And so the, and, and well, capitalism has been since the beginning, since 1933, a huge critique of capitalism. But Catholic workers have have a strong, long and strong tradition of like protest and nonviolent civil disobedience, um, including you know, being involved in... Um, the UFW great boycott. Um, Catholic workers were some of the first people to burn their draft cards during Vietnam publicly. Um, Catholic workers traveled to Iraq during the sanctions to break the sanctions and bring needed medicine there. Catholic workers were part of starting the group, the Witness Against Torture, that traveled to Guantanamo to try to visit prisoners. Um, so using the works of mercy, performing the works of mercy, but often in ways that directly confront like the powers that be and um, and U.S. militarism and capitalism and foreign policy. That's a really helpful introduction to what Catholic Worker is and does. Um, that's enlightening for me, definitely, um, and makes me a little bit more excited. Uh, maybe I'll go get involved. Um, but uh, you did mention a second ago uh, that there is uh, sort of an inherent idea of revolution in the Catholic Worker, and you are talking to uh, to uh Marxist, socialist, Christians. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the idea of revolution in the Catholic worker movement? Yeah, I, I so I'll take a stab at at, uh, at that. Um, so again, I mean, you know, it's it's complex, uh, and I think that like you know, a lot of Catholic workers today, most Catholic workers, like we, I mean, we wouldn't be able to agree <laughs> on like how our vision for a revolution. It's not like there's an orthodoxy that we can like all clearly articulate. Um, and you know, and I, and I know there are like, they're Marxists who are part of the Catholic worker movement as well. Um, I can talk a little bit about kind of the, the vision that like the founders are, are like articulated, uh, which was like an anarchist kind of decentralized, uh, you know, economy and, and social structure that was really, I think mirrored off, mirrored off of like Catholic social teaching. So it wasn't, you know, it was this so-called middle ground between uh, capitalism and communism uh, where there was like a, you know, a critique of the kind of ultimate value of private prop, the inalienable like right to private property, but also like, uh, you know, a critique of, of any kind of state apparatus and state coercion. So, you know, they, they, Dorothy Day and Peter Morin, you know, talked a lot about worker co-ops and credit unions and um, kind of these small and, you know, like in Catholic worker communities and farming communes and these like ways in which to kind of embody, you know, what they would call the kingdom of God or the economic order they, they want to see in small ways. Um, 
so you know, I think I think in their minds it was like if enough people do this thing, that is kind of the groundswell uh, revolution. Mm-hmm. Brenda, mm-hmm. does that sound right? Yeah, to cool. You? Yeah, I think that that sounds exactly right. That's the kind of revolution that I think they were talking about. And I think, um, ba- you know, basing it off of like the way Jesus or at least the way we see Jesus tried to start a revolution is that he didn't necessarily join the zealots and try to overthrow the Roman empire. Although he was very critical of said empire. Um, his was a revolution, which was often still very subversive of the powers that be, but it wasn't, um, it didn't try to overthrow them in the traditional like political revolution or military revolution. It was like a revolution of the heart. Um, and I think that's, a huge part of where Dorothy and Peter got their inspira- get their inspiration from the revolution from below the revolution being from a uh, revolution of the heart. Cool. That's um, a good note to kind of clarify that position. That's super helpful for me. Well, um, how did you guys get involved in Catholic worker? Uh, what, what did that look like for you? What was the entryway into this uh, organization and way of thinking and living? Yeah. Me go. yeah. Um, yeah, so I uh, when I was um, when I was a kid, my my parents and a group of their friends started a Catholic worker community in the hometown, my hometown in uh, Wisconsin. So I kind of you know we didn't it, it wasn't a community where where like our family lived, but it was a place. It was kind of like an informal kind of com- community run uh, like drop in center basically. But but you know so I I grew up with. Um, with kind of knowing the the history and having the ideals of the Catholic worker kind of be woven together with my like, you know, Catholic identity. Cause I was, I was, you know, I'm a cradle Catholic uh, person. And, uh, and so it was kind of, you know, enmeshed in, in that part of my, um, the way I understood like my faith. Uh, so then when I was, when I was kind of like 2021, 20, I, I really felt called to, you know, maybe pursue some sort of Catholic worker, uh, life or vocation and went on a big road trip with a, a group of friends, um, and visited a whole bunch of Catholic workers all over the country. And it was kind of on that, on that trip where we decided to try to start a Catholic worker community in Minneapolis, um, which we did, and that was six years ago. So then, for the past six years, I've been uh, doing the Catholic worker thing in in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah, and for me, um, I think I was first. Well, I I like like Joe. I was also raised Catholic, so I'm a cradle Catholic, and got introduced to um, the Catholic worker while I was in college. Um, I'm from the East Coast. Near, I'm from near Boston, Massachusetts, and I went to school in Worcester, Massachusetts, and. Uh, I think through one of my classes, I, um, it's actually funny. I got introduced to anarchism first. Um, and I fell in love with anarchism, um, through this, uh, bookstore in Worcester called the firecracker bookstore. It was an anarchist bookstore. And for one of our classes, we visited there with a Catholic worker who took us there. Um, but I didn't know about the Catholic worker at the time, but she took us there and they explained anarchism to me and I was sold. Um, and then from there, I found, I learned more about the Catholic worker and I was like, oh, anarchism and Catholicism and pacifism all together. Um, and this, this woman who took, had taken us to the bookstore, um, Claire Schaefer Duffy and her husband, Scott, um, and their four children, I started hanging out with them. Um, they had a small house of hospitality where they'd take in like depending anywhere between four and seven folks at a time. Um, so their four kids were raised with a house full of people at all times. Um, they took the gospel like super seriously. I had never met anyone who talked about why they were pacifist and anarchist and like, yeah, um, critical of capitalism because they were Catholic. They were basing, one was a cradle Catholic, one had been a, convert to Catholicism and they really were my mentors. Um, so that was back in 1999 and I've mostly been in the Catholic worker since I had 
school student loans and things to pay off. But pretty much since then, I've been involved with the movement. Um, yeah. Um, that's really awesome. I, I'm very intrigued, especially by the connections you guys are making between um, anarchism and being attracted to that and then also being attracted to Catholicism. Uh, you sent us this article by Fred Bohr, uh, who sort of outlines the maybe peculiar particular kind of anarchism that you find uh, undergirding the Catholic worker. Um, so some of the things he mentioned was drawing from Catholic social teaching, drawing from theorists like Peter Kropotkin uh, and other kinds of sources. How do you feel like the Catholic worker communities relate to um, other kind of anarchist traditions, other anarchists in your area or kind of organized struggles like that? Uh, wh what's that connection like for you guys? Well, as far, as far as traditions, I think the Catholic worker, um, is that right if I start oh, off please, here? Yeah. The Catholic worker is rooted, like you mentioned, in um, the thinking of Peter Kropotkin and also kind of of Leo Tolstoy. Like Kropotkin, um, yeah, both Peter Morin and Dorothy were really taken with his, um, with his like belief in small scale uh, communal the. The, the idea of mutual aid um, and his book in particular fields factories and workshops where he uh, talks and the, and also the book mutual aid where he talks about um, a different society based on cooperation. He was a Russian biologist uh, and uh, did not believe that, uh, you know, he, it was this, that, that things um, thrived on like, the survival of the fittest, but that his observation of nature showed him that that um, creation survived through cooperation. Um, and then also Dorothy was taken with Leo Tolstoy's anarchism, which really came from pacifism. So kind of in a nutshell, I guess, um, looking at Jesus's, Jesus's commitment to um nonviolence or Jesus's own refusal to um, participate in a violent revolution or even use violence to protect his own life when he could have um, and lots of other teachings of Jesus kind of rooted was was the pacifism part and then looking at the uh, tradition of nation states pretty much since nation states uh, were like ever in existence the nation state relies on violence to maintain itself. It maintains its borders. It maintains its laws through violence. And so um, I think that's sort of the heart of those two thinkers are probably the heart, I would say, of Catholic worker anarchism is opposition to violence um, through the nation state and like a, a vision of this mutual aid and cooperation. Um, but really other movements, like we want to relate to any other, any other movements like socialism, uh, you know, working for unions, all, all of these things, even if we sometimes disagree on like the means of how to get there, like we're pretty excited to work with uh, anyone who likes the idea of revolution from below. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and just to, just to add to that, what you had, you had kind of asked about like um, if we kind of, how, how we tie into other anarchist activism happening in the world um and i say yeah i know in minneapolis we often find ourselves kind of in connection to anarch anarchist groups there um and i think share an affinity for just like the emphasis on um direct action i think is like a is like something that's really embedded in the catholic worker tradition um kind of over you know and we've talked about this a little via email but that kind of over uh, some sort of given some sort of preference kind of over like party organizing um, and uh, you know, uh, maybe like more Solinsky like organizing as well. Um, so I think that, that part, that, that, uh, you know, tradition is in the movement, but, but I, but I also would say that, you know, um, the time I've been in the Catholic worker, it feels like maybe that is changing as well. And it feels like a lot more Catholic workers are open to like coalitions um, and working with other groups, you know, that might disagree with like, uh, the Catholic worker orthodoxy or whatever. Um, I, I think that there's like a growing kind of, uh, desire to do that in the movement. At least I know in our, like our Brenna and I's 
communities. I think that seems to be the case. That's cool. Um, this is going off our script here a little bit, but uh, hopefully you're, you know, you'd answer this question, I guess. Um, so that's great that you guys, uh, you know, like Catholic workers work with other anarchist groups and other like unions, because that sounds really cool. Um, how do you all like negotiate the the Catholic worker stance on violence in regards to other like anarchist groups or socialist groups, like um, like anti-fascism or something, for example, is uh, has a tradition of like defense, which uh, they you know there's a sense of violence there. Um, so does do the Catholic worker folks like think about that or how how does that uh, stance on violence either prohibit or uh, help you get involved with other other people? Yes. <laughs> so That's just... The answer is yes to all of those questions. Such a good question. Yeah. We, uh, we think about it a lot. We think about it a lot. There's actually right now, there's a huge sort of, there's been like this online debate about it. Um, some members of our own movement, our own community recently participated in property destruction. So there's been a huge, you know, talking about, is that an, is that in line with Catholic worker pacifism or not? There's a huge sort of in-house discussion about that. Um, yeah, I, I'd say in general and traditionally, the, the Catholic worker does does not support the use of violence and so does not get involved in groups that are directly advocating violence. Um, for sure, violence against other human beings, that's for sure. Um, at the same time, um, yeah, Catholic workers... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a hard, so it, it so then that's part of what we're thinking about this weekend when we go to this um, discussion on racism. Like, is questioning has our reluctance to get involved with movements that are not totally opposed to using violence um, has that like prevented us from fully supporting liberation struggles of people of color. Um, but then at this, yeah, at the same time, there were there were Catholic workers who put their bodies on the line and down in Charlottesville, like trying to block the anti block the fashion block yeah. the um, white supremacists, not not block the anti fascists <laughs> <laughs> block, <laughs> block the white supremacists. Um, yeah, from hurting vulnerable communities, there are Catholic workers who have spent a lot of time in Palestine supporting the nonviolent revolution there, and I mean wherever wherever you go to support a non-violent revolution, there's always, I shouldn't say there's always, but almost always there's elements uh, um, that are also working for the same ends who are using means that maybe the Catholic worker would consider violent. And so it's just, how do you work with people while still not agreeing to use violence yourself? I mean, that's, it's just like, a, it's an endless discussion. And I think we, yeah. we find ourselves on all sides of, the issue but more often than not tend to um, align ourselves with those who are working for justice and just to just to add quickly i um yeah i think like there there is also a strain of like you know the primacy of conscience so it's like you know uh i i think that i i think or at least hope to cultivate in the catholic worker like a um a, a sense of uh, I mean, kind of the the way that you both have talked about violence on your show really resonates with me in that uh, it's super complicated and not not all violence is equal. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's different. Like, you know, a protester throwing a bottle at the police is, is a different form of violence than like, you know, uh, a cop shooting an unarmed mm -hmm. person. Like those aren't equivalent things. Um so and I and I think uh, at least in my experience in the movement that there's an awareness of that uh, nuance and there isn't kind of a blanket uh, condemnation mm -hmm. of all violence. It's like an an acknowledgement of the complexity of it. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, the ability to have a coherent group that has like sort of varying opinions on this, I think, is a really healthy sign of um, good activists, probably. Yeah, nice. We think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, that as well, having that kind of struggle with um, a maybe like a, a, a tradition that is really significant, um, but also having people who have consciences and have individual feelings about that tradition. 
uh, I, I sort of always felt like the strength and limitation of the Catholic worker is its association with Catholic social teaching in particular. Um, I'm Catholic, so like I really dig that. Uh, I feel like it challenges Catholics to ask them how seriously they take what their church tradition says about how people should live together. Um, but there are also some kind of weird problems in Catholic social teaching that uh, I guess are unnecessarily conservative moral positions that contribute to uh, bad kind of dominating discourses inside the church and outside of it. So uh, I know the Catholic worker has a complicated relationship to th- some of those things like um, women being ordained or, um, uh, for example, I know a few Catholic worker folks uh, who are friends of mine who are like totally cool with gay marriage and uh, totally affirming LGBT people in their communities. Um, how does the worker negotiate that issue uh, of sort of being called, you know, the Catholic worker um, but then also uh, hosting a variety of different folks from different backgrounds. Yeah, that's another great question. Um, I really feel that tension a lot. Um, I'm so I'm uh, the only so our I, there's a uh, six Catholic workers in my community, and there, I'm one of two Catholics um, uh, in the community, and you know generally the people in our orbit uh, in our like kind of extended community, I think. Um, you know, understandably, Catholicism carries a kind of a, a heavy weight for a lot of people and um, is kind of a emblematic of, of a lot of oppression and violence. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't uh, I feel like I live into that tension a lot and um, and, you know, feel like it's important for me to identify as a Catholic, uh, both because it's like my kind of framework for understanding the world, but also because I like I think it's an institution that I want. I like I hope to stay inside and, and change one uh, one thing that I know our, our community or some folks in our community have kind of done to help reconcile that tension is we uh it was last year. I think we engaged in like a few actions at churches over the, the Lenten season. Um, so that, that was good. And I know that there's like, there's, you know, other Catholic workers who are, who, you know, part of their activism, part of like their work is, is, um, you know, agitating in the church. Uh, and so I think that's, that's a way that, uh, you know, I think at least I, uh, kind of can still identify with, you know, Catholicism and the Catholic worker um, is to, uh, you know, push, push for change from the inside. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that was a coherent thought. Brenna, do you have thoughts? Yeah. I, um, I would say, yeah, again, the Catholic worker is an anarchist movement, not only politically, but even within ourselves. So Um, I think the main things that tie us together are our commitment to perform the works of mercy, our pacifism, um, and uh, care for uh, understanding of care, care of creation and anarchism. For the most part, those are pretty mainstays of the Catholic worker Um, church teaching on sexuality has, uh, like Dorothy never really took a hard line on things. She had her own opinions, but she, she didn't make those like, um, massheads for the, or whatever tenants that for, for the whole Catholic worker movement to follow. So there are folks within the Catholic worker movement who would totally agree with church teaching. Um, I would say the majority of Catholic workers disagree with the, with the church teaching on the issues that you've brought up. Um, the vast majority probably disagree. Um, but yeah, part of the beauty of the Catholic worker movement is that Catholics and non-Catholics from all walks of life are in it and it's an ongoing discussion, but it has never really been a huge focus. So following, I guess a little bit of what you guys are saying here. Um, so I'm, I'm not Catholic and, uh, I'm just a, just a regular old Protestant out here, but, um, (laughs) Something that uh, a kind of idea that comes up in some of Peter Marin's stuff that y'all sent us uh, to get ready for this was the idea of conscious, like one's conscience kind of leading the way. Can you talk a bit, a little bit about that and like how that works? Because that's a pretty cool part, I think, about Catholic worker stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I, I we're kind of looking at each other and uh, trying to think of what to say because I think that's just, yeah, that is, uh, I think there's that is a strong kind of um, uh, aspect of the movement, uh, and I think is definitely like you know, kind of tied together with the the uh, emphasis on anarchism. Um, and is also, you know, that luckily, I think that that kind of primacy of conscience has also, I think because Dorothy and Peter, you know, inoculated the movement with, with that sense, there, there isn't a, there isn't a structure. There's not a centralized entity that is the Catholic worker. All, I mean, all these, all these communities, mm -hmm. our communities are just groups of people who are just like, Hey, now we're a Catholic worker. So, you know, because of that, uh, I think we, we see this like diversity of, uh, yeah, these diversities of, uh, like, you know, views and, um, and people are really able to kind of follow, uh, their own hearts instead of some sort of, uh, orthodoxy. Yeah. Um, it just resonates with me so much because like conscience is such a powerful force for people and it doesn't mean that it's always right, but, um, just the like uh, an organization that kind of holds that there is something called a conscience and people follow it and like that's not a bad thing. Um, it's cool. I don't know. There's a real plasticity to that. Like you can kind of do a lot more than just following a really rigid sort of structure or something. Um, well, kind of coming off of that uh, that note about conscience and then uh, even getting back around to the idea of revolution. Um, I wonder what y'all would say about. Um, about like Marxist revolutions um, and other socialist revolution, uh, revolutionary movements uh, elsewhere in the world. Uh, so anarchists are basically by definition opposed to the state. And uh, one of the readings that you sent us that was particularly interesting uh, was called uh, New Heaven and New Earth by Richard Cleaver. And uh, in that, uh, that reading that you sent us, he talks about uh, how all like states of all forms are types of blasphemy um, in the sense that you talked about earlier, because they are, um, necessarily violent and stuff um and he names uh he names though the dictatorship of the proletariat in particular so uh how do catholic workers view christians who like align themselves with those revolutionary efforts say in like chile or nicaragua like christians who were um thinking in the left like thinking sort of on the left side of the political spectrum and probably have a lot in common with catholic worker folks in terms of like worldview but uh still kind of took up arms to create a state like what what's the what's the feeling or the vibe about that? Like are liberation theologians, for example, like being blasphemous when they talk about uh, like a Marxist path, um, or you know something like that? Yeah, short short answer was no. <laughs> um, I forgot Richard Cleaver called people blasphemous. So yeah, the other the other thing about Catholic workers is we have very strong opinions and sometimes can sound a little more strident, <laughs> a little more strident than we actually are. Um, yeah, I this I'm glad this came after the conscience question because as we were talking about conscience, I was thinking, yeah, to, and I'll come back to this question too. But just to lead in, the idea of conscience is super important to us, and then living in community and being part of this 85 year old tradition, where like like that informs your conscience is so important that you like <clears throat> con are continually having conversations and dialogue with not only with um, your peers, uh, your community members who you live with, but then people on the other side of the country, people who are of different ages than you, and then also people who are dead. You're having conversations with Dorothy Day and Peter Moore, like what did they think about all of these things? Um, and it's a conversation that clarifies, that's part of the reason we have these roundtable discussions, to continue to clarify our thought and clarify our conscience um, but ultimately, we act out of our conscience, but it's a conscience that's been steeped and informed by this ongoing tradition and this ongoing conversation. Um, so uh, to get back to the blasphemy question, yeah, I think he just used really strong language there. But I think um, to to make the point that, yes, um, that 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 we're opposed to state violence. But I think, well, in my understanding, I haven't studied liberation theology for since college, but I did study it some. And my memory was that not all liberation theologians are 
in favor of violent revolution and not all liberation theologians are Marxist, maybe at least for Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, so I, I think a lot of Catholic workers would be very excited about liberation theology, at least, at least the idea of, um, of like viewing the gospel through the lens of the oppressed and, um, reading it through the lens of the oppressed and acting, acting on the gospel through the lens of the oppressed. So I think all of that, we would be like 100% in favor of, I, I think it just, it comes down to using violent means to get to an end, even if we all agree on the end. Um, I think we also, we're folks who see the means as the end. Um, and then so often in <laughs> revolutions that claim to be for the people uh, often end up becoming oppressive systems themselves. Um, but so that would be the general probably Catholic worker view, but then I'm also sure that there were Catholic workers who were supporting the cause um, uh, in the eighties or now. Um, so yeah, once again, conscience is sort of prime. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah, it's hard to, because uh, <laughs> I guess, talking about Marxism and how Christians relate to it is a hard question, just as it is talking about anarchism and how Christians relate to it. I mean, there's probably a million different ways that uh, Christians have found themselves linking up with what seemed to be like the most uh, promising (laughs) social justice movement in their particular region. So um, that makes a bunch of sense. Uh, I guess talking a little bit more about some of that diversity of opinion, um, even within the Catholic worker, uh, could you explain a little bit like um, why or how like anarchism has been sort of updated throughout its existence. Um, like you were mentioning before that, you know, you guys keep reading and talking and, uh, over 85 years, I would have to imagine that like maybe Peter Kropotkin is still important, but also maybe there are some other voices that have really like fed into, um, maybe your local communities or, or the movement at large, like what kinds of, uh, of theories are, are getting worked out, um, in those communities? Yeah, I think, I mean, one kind of going back to the, uh, when we were doing introductions and Brenna was talking about this trip to New York, we're going to take, I think that one kind of update to like the very, you know, Western Eurocentric anarchism that I think was like, uh, you know, influencing Dorothy and Peter and kind of the foundation of the movement um, is, is like a realization of, of, you know, the, the whiteness of our, of our movement um, and, and kind of the, what that you know requires as far as changing some of our practices and and theories and um kind of ways of you know uh yeah ways of working for social change um and i think that there's like uh i hope anyway that there's a, a developing kind of pairing with our anarchism of like a of like, yeah, working in coalition and, and like following, you know, the most oppressed people in our society, following their lead. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, this kind of ties into, to your last question too. It like, and that also complicates our, our, you know, stance, uh, and interaction with, you know, movements that may use violence or, or, uh, kind of movements that may use the state as a way to, um, as a way to, you know, achieve justice. Um, so I, I would hope that that kind of increasing awareness of, of um, like systems of oppression and white supremacy and patriarchy uh, influence our, our anarchism, uh, continue to influence our anarchism uh, for the better. Does that make sense to you, Brenna? <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I think um, there's, just been a lot more thought given to like, um, well, who, who is it among us who are calling ourselves anarchists and are we able to call ourselves that because we are never under attack. We live really, we come, um, so many of us come from such privilege that it's easy to sit, to have, to have this sort of like, well, my hands are clean. I'm not going to get involved in the system sort of attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been at least in the Midwest, um, the last several years, uh, we've sort of been turning that upside down and we haven't really landed yet, but that's part of the reason we're going on to New York to really grapple with these 
with these uh, ideas that we've been learning par partially through the help of Black Lives Matter and partially through the help of the Let Us Breathe Collective in Chicago, um, which is an anarchist collective of um, people of color who are artists and activists. So um, we've done some trainings with those folks and done a lot of our own looking into our whiteness and how that has informed, how that's informed our theology, philosophy, politics, and our actions. So maybe, maybe we can do another interview in a few years and let you know where it all <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, well, shifting gears just a little bit, um, we talked about violence and property destruction a bit earlier in the episode. And, um, well, something that was really, I think, cool for Dean and I when we saw it happen or hear about, heard about it, um, was that there were these uh, two activists that were part of the Des Moines Catholic worker who sabotaged the Dakota Access Pipeline, and they were upfront about it and like a, like a, um, confessed to doing it and so on. Um, uh, defending their actions, though, they said that it wasn't a violent act and that they went on to talk about it in terms of property improvement, which is something I really like. I love I love when people do that kind of thing. <laughs> like like you know take something subversive and say it's an improvement um so anyways uh they said that more people should do that uh engage in that kind of activism so um how did catholic worker folks respond to those kind of events i mean they were exciting for me and kind of interesting to see play out um especially seeing the activists kind of engage in it in such a like really authentic level where they took responsibility and everything else but how did that play out in your community yeah it's it's a range um I, I think at least in my experience in the Midwest, because we, we, in the Midwest, we gather at least one, at least twice a year um, from lots of different communities. And I, for the most part, I think folks in the Midwest were really excited um, and very supportive. And like, yeah, just um, I, I know for me, I was just, I was proud to be part of a, a movement um, that kind of uh, that these two women were part of and claimed as their tradition um, in doing this action. And I think that was a really widespread, widespread sentiment. Um, and there were, uh, also folks, I'd say it, it, probably a more extreme position of people who just totally opposed it, but there were a few. Um, but I think there mm -hmm. was a healthy number of folks who understood it and supported the women and, um, and want, you know, wanted to make sure that, because these women are, are pretty in pretty vulnerable positions right now. And so wouldn't want to like publicly condemn their action because they kind of, yeah, understood where it was coming from, but um, had a more nuanced view and were, and were concerned and were worried um, that the action, uh, I'd say for a couple, I'm trying to, even though I don't necessarily agree, I um, respect some of the folks criticisms i'm trying to give that um it's due some of the the folks that i talked to who were concerned um you know are believers in like Gan the gandhian approach of the end the means and the ends should be the same and like your your personal um you know, actions shouldn't be necessarily done out of just like anger and so just like mm. we're concerned that that anger might come through um, to the wider community. And then if that's coming through to the wider community, are people, are we really transforming hearts here? Are we really converting hearts or is there going to be more of a backlash because of this action where people feel scared and vulnerable because they are afraid that like these actions were done by terrorists or people performing terrorist like actions. And is that just going to make the pipelines, um, efforts double down, um, Whereas I think so some folks would want to take what they might call the more pure nonviolent approach of just being totally transparent. Although I would say Jessica and Ruby were transparent because they mm -hmm. came forward, but, um, yeah. Uh, and, and worked on really just trying to convert like the whole, the whole system and have people be on board with what they were doing rather than, um, I think some folks were were nervous that this action just instilled more fear in the hearts of other people and that that ultimately will not lead to 
the the ends that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think just to add one uh, small thing is I think it also like, uh, yeah, there's kind of this ongoing uh, uh, like debate uh, via this really long email thread mm-hmm. uh, among various Catholic worker folks happening right now, and I think a lot of it is rooted in this kind of tension that pre-existed Jess and Ruby's action uh, between kind of Dorothy Day and, you know, the Catholic worker uh, kind of in her mind and then the the decades of plowshares actions kind of started by in the tradition of like the, the Berrigans who were, um, you know, somewhat affiliated with the Catholic worker. And, and basically those were, you know, actions, um, a series of actions that, that – you know, sought to directly dismantle like military equipment and bombs and uh, uh, jets and that that kind of thing. Um, and there, yeah, there's just for you know decades there's been this kind of tension uh, between yeah what Brenna was saying the Gandhi and nonviolence and people in the Catholic worker who really hold that very dear and then and then this this sense of urgency around mm-hmm. you know the fact that you know we're near. Ex- extinction and we need to physically uh you know dismantle the the infrastructure that's driving that uh yeah that makes a lot of sense and i can understand why it would be a difficult conversation to have within that community uh but i guess to echo something matt was saying earlier that seems like a, a healthy thing that there is so much conversation going around about it and it isn't just sort of like shut down in some dogmatic or programmatic way um that seems like a really cool thing that has just sparked so much conversation of people trying to really wrestle through it uh, sympathetically together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. Um, maybe to kind of end on like an ecumenical note. Uh, so how do you think that uh, Marxist Christians and uh, anarchist Christians and Catholic workers and other kinds of, of Christian activists can sort of work together to, uh, combat like the reactionary trends that are happening right now um we've sort of talked about on this podcast before that uh the left feels generally not super organized especially the christian left in particular uh there's a lot of um things that kind of bubble up but it's hard to get people to build like a sustainable movement it seems like the catholic worker actually has a lot of experience with trying to to figure that out um do you have any thoughts on how the catholic worker and maybe other uh christians and other uh, leftist domains might be able to to find some ways to keep collaborating. Yeah, I well, I I do. I I I have to admit I don't know tons of like Marxists and socialists, so thank I'm glad to have met you. <laughs> um, no, I know there's there's actually a group here in, near Dubuque, the uh, the Dubuque Democratic Socialists. Like Demo- there maybe that's a little different, but anyway, I just feel like Marxists and socialists you all have great like political analysis and maybe maybe are better at like organizing politically. Um, whereas I, I, and the gifts that we have, I think in the Catholic worker is that um, we've been around for the long haul. Like we have 85 year tradition of communal, communal living and how to care for those in pain. Cause no matter what, you know, whether this system keeps going as it is going or, or if there is a revolution or whatever happens, there's going to be uh, people who are affected by that in very negative ways. And we have experience um, providing communities and care for those who sort of uh, are marginalized or, or hurt by these oppressive systems. So uh, yeah, I think we just have like practical day-to-day experience living in community, caring for those who are hurt by our oppressive systems. And we have a lot of great experience in direct action. Um, and like, and we have a decent amount of numbers of people who are, are willing to do the work and people who are like in really good relationship with one another. I know like a lot of times movements on the left are, can really be, um, yeah, be, factionalized or divided by like hurt feelings or disagreements. Um, and I'd say, even though we and the Catholic workers don't always agree on everything, um, we're, most of us are in pretty good relationship with one another. So that's a, I think a strength of ours. Yeah. And I, uh, I would add, I I think that, uh, you know, um, I think one thing that the, the Catholic worker can offer, like related to what Brenna was saying is that, 
the the community the this kind of emphasis on like these intentional communities i think really you know i know for me like living in community was kind of this like and 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 having that praxis was this this like pedagogical tool to help me understand like the inner workings of oppression and how you know capitalism is in like that thinking and that uh, you know, way of viewing the world is embedded in, in me and my heart. And like it, hel- it has helped me kind of process that, um, which I think has made me like a better, you know, person and activist. So I, I think that, that that is something I think we can offer and why I would like, you know, I, I like encourage people to look into the Catholic worker. And then also, yeah, I think that we um, are often very down to do direct action and disruption. Um, and I think that's like a, a something that can be useful um, in leftist struggles. And then I think, you know, things that that other leftist organizations and 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 I think I think something that we as Catholic workers, you know, really need to grapple with is is like, yeah, how to better work um, uh, like to, to how do we uh, I think we need a better analysis of power and how it works. And mm-hmm. I think we need to have more nuance in our like in our interactions with with other um, organizations and and people with different ideologies and and ensure, make sure that we we're not too dogmatic um, and then also you know Catholics in general but also you know folks in the Catholic worker we need to have like increased awareness of how patriarchy and and white supremacy um, and like you know anti queer sentiments are embedded in our movement and work to 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 eradicate those um that's super exciting i think uh it's it's great to know that there is so much conversation happening within the catholic worker um i think that's something that i haven't really uh understood till this conversation which is really cool and i appreciate that a lot um i'll be really curious to hear back uh if you want to send us an email about how the new york um event goes thinking through uh, some of those issues together around white supremacy in particular um yeah i don't know i I think it's really great especially joe that you uh reached out to us and um wanted to kind of give a a broader perspective i feel like this has been really educational and and encouraging and helpful for me yeah thank you guys so much yeah thanks it's i was yeah it was um i've been listening to your show for a while and just really appreciate what you all are doing so it was it was a real it was very humbling to to yeah to talk to you guys Great. Um, well, yeah. In a in a couple of years, we will have you uh, have you back on and find out what <laughs> has changed in the in the Catholic Worker. Uh, that'll be a cool conversation to have. So we'll uh, we'll make we'll make the commitment here. January of twenty twenty twenty. We'll send you. <laughs> now. Yep. No. Be- after, before then. Before then, though, the probably. Yeah. yeah, probably, but definitely also then. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thanks to you guys for doing this. We appreciate it. It's. Uh... Good to have uh, other folks on the show like you guys. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks again. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for listening to the Magnificast. Uh, Thanks, Brenna and Joe, uh, for coming on the show and talking with us. It was super fun and incredibly enlightening. Um, I am 100% more excited about the Catholic worker than I was (laughs) at the beginning of this episode, Uh, but it's super cool. It's a great sort of contextualization and just update on something that I vaguely know about. And now I know a little bit more. We all are living, learning, and just growing into our best selves. I don't know, man. Um, That's uh, that's part of my next uh, self-help book for uh, Christian teens. Um, Living and learning and growing into our best selves. By Matt yeah, that's right. By, by Matt Bernico for Christian teens. I'm sorry. That's the that's the subtitle for Christian did you, teens. Did you um, say Chris Chris teens? Because I actually appreciate that abbreviation. It sounds very cool. Yeah, it's like the real fresh way to say it. Like you don't yeah. say the the in of Christian. It's just Chris <laughs> teens. What's up, you Chris yeah. teens? Oh, we got some real Chris teens over here. It's kind of like oh, maybe instead of Christian, it's just Chris teens. Like. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. So, youth pastors out there, uh, get your Christines over over into this podcast. Get them listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you like what you heard today, and I imagine that you did because it was extremely awesome, uh, and this this bit here, you probably got your got your rolling. Uh, you can uh, follow us on SoundCloud. Uh, follow us on Twitter. 
uh, check out uh, our uh, page, The Magnificast Basement, on Facebook. We've had a lot more people add uh, or like join that in the past few weeks, and there have been some conversations there that have been pretty neat. Um, also, uh, crazy cool update about The Magnificast. You can now find uh, The Magnificast on Theology Corner. So that's the thing. If you wanted to find it somewhere else, <laughs> that's an option for you. <laughs> There's a lot so, of other cool uh, folks uh, at Theology Corner, really good bloggers who are friends of ours and other podcasts that you can find there. And uh, the folks there are like really intent on promoting interesting stuff that's happening in Christianity. So that's a cool thing. Yeah, it is super cool. Um, the Religious Socialism uh, podcast is also over there with Sarah New. So um, you can check that out. Uh, if you want to find out on Theology Corner, go to theologycorner.net slash matt-and-dean. That's my favorite URL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, theologycorner.net slash matt-and-dean. Um, check out our podcast there. We've been posting them. And uh, I don't know. Find them there. Share them with your friends. Send them to your Christines and see what they think. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next time. Get up for church in the morning, church in the morning, souls alive. Heaven come to earth and there won't be no church. We'll meet down by the riverside. There we'll swim with all creation. Never get tired, never bored. Don't worry, someday there'll be no dam between us and our Lord. Jackson.